Hello and welcome to the season five premiere of Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about real steel. I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Cody Webb. I don't know, what's your boxing name, Cody? Do you have a good like uh, alter ego? Oh, it's a good question. Um, maybe I have like a good wrestling name I can come up with. Boxing is tougher. I think it, just last name, I mean... Web, you can't beat that. Cody uh, the Spider Web. <laughs> See, that's good. That's a great wrestling name too. But uh, yeah, I'm Jack. Be here, man. We're back, season five, which is really, really weird to think about, and we're kicking it off with a bang with Real Steel, which is obviously your pick. But uh, a yeah, knockout I'll, of a pick, I'd say. I would say that as well. But yeah, I'm Jack. Be here, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm really excited for season five. We have new categories as we always do with a new season. Um, we've dropped a couple things. We've added a couple things. Um, we've kept some favorites around, but we'll get into those as we hit them. I uh, do want to say, hey, if you want to be a guest on the show, we're looking for season five guests getting ready to lock those in. So hit us up, reach out to Cody or I, DM the page. Our social media is at Cap Podcast. Go follow that and like all of our stuff. But we want to have guests, you know, let us know if you want to come be on the pod. We'll, we'll take anybody. You want to come on? You're going to come on. That, that's pretty much straight up. And uh, Corbin also made some great promotional <laughs> promotional materials along with that. So if you haven't seen that, check out any of our socials. And uh, yeah, come on the show. We want you to come on. Come on. That's it. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Real Steel. As always, we start with why. Why? 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 I have the pick. You know, it's the first episode. I think I always, you know, just take charge and get the first pick, you know, yeah. some I'm, classics. I'm very, I'm very interested to hear why you picked this movie because I Wait. honestly have no idea. You know, we've had some classics over the over the seasons. Uh, Gone Girl, notably our first one. Men in Black, Goodfellas. I mean, you know, there's some great ones. But I wanted to go Real Steel, which is not necessarily a movie that uh, I love or think is necessarily great. But we'll get into that further in a little bit. But I think it's just kind of timely, you know. Creed 3 was released this weekend. I know a ton of people that have been doing Rocky rewatches. Myself got into a little bit of a first time watch, actually. I saw Rocky for the first time. I watched the Creed trilogy. I think I'm going to do a little bit of just even like a boxing kind of fighting movie, you know, watch. I want to check out Warrior, uh, the Tom Hardy one. I know that's a classic. So that's my plan for the week. And I wanted Real Steel to kind of be a part of that. And I thought that one would be the most fun to talk about on the podcast because people have talked about all those other movies. We've heard about the Rocky franchise. It's been, you know, blah, 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 so many times. But I was looking today just trying to see if anybody here even really talked. Like if you search podcasts about Real Steel on Spotify, there are not many. I can tell you that. Uh, so we're going to be good at the, uh, the the top of the Real Steel conversation here. I just think it's really timely. It is definitely timely, I would say, with the release of Creed Three which actually uh, killed it at the box office this weekend as well, which is, I was a little bit surprised by that. But yeah, I, I don't hate it. Like you said, it's probably cutting edge material because nobody else has really covered it. So I like that, it, just that we're unique as well. And uh, yeah, to recommend some other boxing movies, Warrior is amazing, not really a boxing movie. Uh, the Fighter is also amazing. I don't know if you've seen that. Shout out Marky Mark. Classic, classic Bale performance, yeah, Amy Adams. That's a, and also, I would recommend a Rocky Four, which um, if you've seen the first Rocky, it's not you know anything too much like that, but it is just an American classic. So I'd recommend that too. But yeah, Real Steel, you know, it, it has a different element, I would say, in the steel, in the robots, which I think is cool. So uh, it, it'll definitely be fun to talk about, at least, I think. Just as, I think I'm going to go back into the Rocky universe 
Um, I also have been watching Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal. I started that. Not a not a great one. Um, and mm. then, you know, Punch Drunk Love, which is not necessarily a fighting movie, but uh, I did watch it and Punch is in the title. So I'm going to say it counts and fits in the theme. We're going to move on to our next category, which is a new one. Do you remember? Do you remember? This category is all about, do you remember the first time you watched it? Tell us about your experience. When we do a lot of these movies, this ends up coming up anyways. We kind of always like to talk about, oh, did you see this in the theater? Did you just watch it for the first time now? Um, so I think I wanted to dedicate a whole category to, you know, what was your first experience watching the movie like? So Cody, Real Steel, what do, you, what do you remember about the first time you saw it? Yeah, first off, great new category as well. Little, do you remember? I mean, that's just a, an absolute banger to start off the show, so I love it. But yeah, funny enough, I've never actually seen this movie. Uh, this is the first time I've ever seen it. Uh, I have seen many, many previews on like FX or other cable uh, stations who would constantly run this movie for some reason. So I've seen like the main scenes. I've seen, you know, the robots punch each other. I've seen Hugh Jackman, you know, box with the robot. I've seen the gist of it, I would say, but this was actually my first time seeing it all the way through which, you know, was an interesting experience. We'll definitely get to it. But uh, yeah, I feel like honestly, most of your picks throughout the seasons, it, it is my first watch of it. And sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. But I think it's probably a good thing this was my first watch. Because if I had seen it before, I probably wouldn't have wanted to revisit it. But yeah, first time watch. How many times have you seen this, Corbin, I guess? And uh, do you remember the first time? I want to say this is probably my first third watch maybe i've seen like you know half of it in passing in addition to that but i saw this movie when it came out in theaters 2011 i was there watching real steel and i think that's why i kind of wanted to come back to it as well as because it's something from my childhood that i haven't really returned to so it's not like i had a great memory of it um mm -hmm. i knew i didn't think super highly of it and that i kind of just thought it was a, a rocky ripoff at the end of the day which that it kind of what it is. Um, but yeah, I went to go see this. I definitely saw it with my mom. I remember as an 11 year old seeing this movie, having not seen Rocky at the time and just being absolutely flabbergasted by the ending. You're telling me this robot is going to lose. They're going to end the movie with the loss. Uh, 11 year old me just was not having it. I was absolutely surprised. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, a movie ending that way. So I, I guess this was maybe the the first introduction to the underdog story where the underdog doesn't necessarily prevail in the end, Cody. It's interesting. It, it seems like a little bit of just a, you know, a, a wake up call to life. Uh, <laughs> you know, the underdog's not always going to win. <laughs> I would learn that in a movie theater watching Real Steel. So I love that. <laughs> You're 100% absolutely right. Uh, I think it's also funny that this movie like had little to no lasting cultural impact. Like, who does like like I said nobody's really talked about this movie who is talking or thinking about real steel it made a good amount of money it was a box office hit it starred you know Hugh Jackman directed by Sean Levy who has gone on to do you know been a huge part of our cultural zeitgeist with Stranger Things and Free Guy and every you know the next Deadpool movie that he's gonna be directing but yeah I just think this movie didn't really stick around in the same way that maybe some other movies did and, that, and that's why nobody's talking about it I mean you didn't even see it right uh let's move into our initial thoughts Cody, I mean, on your first watch, what did you think of it? Yeah, I got a lot of stuff. Um, first off, I don't even know where to start, honestly. Basically, yeah, I'll start with a little bit of the positives. I think it's a good concept, at least. Uh, I mean, robots fighting, how, how can you argue really against that? Kind of just like real life Rock'em Sock'em, which is always a fun game to play, I feel like. 
Uh, and then a little bit, it does like steal conceptually its story from Creed, I would say, maybe a little bit more than Rocky, just because you have, oh, the washed up boxer coming back and has to teach like the new guy kind of how to win in a sense, I guess. The mentorship aspect for sure. Yeah. I, I see that. But obviously, I mean, it, it rips off a lot. Creed, of Creed came out after this movie. So maybe <laughs> Creed stole from this. Do you think about that? <laughs> sure. We need to check uh, the writers, see if anything matches there. But um, in general, too, I the world building is not bad. I don't hate the world that they, that they establish. It's kind of like a bizarro interstellar, in a sense. Uh, if interstellar, you know, if they stayed on Earth, if Matthew McConaughey didn't go to space, I can see like this world kind of being similar to, to what was established already. Um, so I kind of like that vibe. Um, but in general, this movie sucks ass. Um, excuse my language. But um, I mean, it's bad. Dialogue's bad. The cast is decent, which is weird. It's kind of like a, a D-tier Marvel movie with, I mean, you got Wolverine, you got the Wasp. There's got, a lot. There's Falcon. even B players like that are Marvel people. Yeah. So, I mean, I like the cast, but the writing's just so bad. It doesn't really, you know, give anything to work with. All the character arcs are terrible and like the acting even comes off really bad, even though I think most of these people are good actors. But obviously, I just blame the scripts for that. In general, I'm not a massive fan. One last point I want to bring up too. I, I, have a, I have a question for you, Corbin. Why is every side character in this movie, why, why do they think they're like Bruce Buffer on the mic? Like every single new character we meet, five minutes later, they're screaming into the mic. And I don't understand why every single character has to do that. Well, you know, this movie is maybe not as interested in actual boxing or like the reality of that world and more in like the idea of it. And I think mm -hmm. part of that is like this superficial, hyper-realized vision of what it could be. And everybody's got to scream into the mic and be crazy all the time. Like, that's what it is. I mean, in reality, this is more akin to WWE presentation than boxing presentation. Think of all the names, you know, like Zeus and Twin Cities and, you know, uh, Noisy Boy. Like, these are crazy, like, you know, wrestling names. And it's, it's kind of got that feel to it at all times. So, yeah, I don't know. Everybody's got to yell. Good point. I, just another random question that I just popped in my head too. Why is he called Adam? I, I don't understand that. Well, you know, uh, as all stories, uh, this <laughs> is a story based in the Bible. You love it when I do this, Cody. All stories are based on the, the, the original story of the Bible, right? Um, you know, Adam and Eve. I, I don't know, Cody. It's just a fucking name of a robot. It's spelled A-T-O-M. Right. It's a play. It's, you know, science, future, <laughs> blah, blah. Adam's, ah, ooh, 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 cool. Interesting. All right, let's, let's hear your initial thoughts. <laughs> um well i did want to talk I, I mentioned it off the top there a little bit but like sean levy directing this movie wh what do you think of him cody are you a fan of his work i i, I would mean, say probably not right well not not of his work here but i mean it, like <laughs> in stranger things yeah stranger things is one of my favorite like uh running tv shows so 100 free guy yeah I, i'm not a massive fan of that but it still has value to me. I, th I think it's still an okay film. Like it, it's not, it's not stooping down to this level, but yeah, the, the direction in this film, I, I was not a big fan of. Yeah. So just hitting on for the people that don't know things that he's directed the Adam project most recently in terms of a movie, the little Netflix Ryan Reynolds spot, they definitely have a relationship. Um, he's done episodes of stranger things. Like we mentioned, I think 10 of them, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, some episodes as well. And then in movies, Night at the Museum, all three of those he directed, The Internship, Date Night, uh, which was what he did right before Real Steel, Cheaper by the Dozen, Just Married. So there's a lot of like kind of family comedy-ish type stuff in the early years. And then as you can see, as the industry began to change, he kind of moved more into 
franchisey, science fictiony. You know, now he's just basically making Ryan Reynolds flicks at this point, plus Stranger Things. He is now slated to direct Deadpool 3 with Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. But I think this movie makes a lot of sense, especially in the you know future of what his career is going to do. He does these very like surface level family dramas. Even This Is Where I Leave You is kind of an example of that, where it's like, you know, he's concerned with these things. He's going to crack some jokes, but it's not really doesn't want to get into the weeds of it. It doesn't really want to talk about how this kid is grappling with his dead you know, mom and his, his yeah. father not caring for him. Like there's these big ideas in this, but they're not really super well addressed. Yeah. Honestly, I forgot the kid's uh, mom even died because that's not touched on at all. But shout out Sean Levy. That's not a bad filmography. I don't think cheaper by the dozen. I am extremely nostalgic for. So that's a great flick. But I mean, yeah, this, this movie's kind of right on, um, you know, pace with, with what he was doing before. I think like it's a family film. This is a kid's like family film. So I'm going to bash on it religiously. Um, <laughs> But like, that's what it is. It's not meant for me. It's meant for kids and, you know, dads trying to bond with their sons, that sort of thing. And um, as a family film, I think it is fairly successful. You know, it's entertaining. You know, if I was taking my kid to the to the theater to watch robots punch each other, I'd probably be fine with that for a couple My hours. mom and I had a great time. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, I mean, you, you do bring up good points there on, you know, what this movie really is, I feel like. I just want to talk real quick about kind of like the production journey and kind of the behind the scenes of it. So this is based on a short story from 1956 by Richard Matheson. You'll know some of his other work in that he wrote the story that I Am Legend is based on, as well as a bunch of other things that movies have kind of based on. So 1956 short story, Steel. <clears throat> and then Dan Gilroy, brother Tony Gilroy, you know, worked on Nightcrawler, has done stuff most recently with the Andor TV show. He wrote the original script all the way back in like 2003 or 2005. There's some conflicting reports when DreamWorks bought it. And then there was the Paramount Picture DreamWorks split off in like the mid to late 2000s. This was one project they, they specifically DreamWorks took with them in that split of one of 17 projects. Um, and then they, there was Peter Berg director was kind of interested in it for a little bit, was maybe going to do it. But then in 2009, Sean Levy gets attached, about to direct Date Night at that time. Steven Spielberg and Stacey Snyder over at DreamWorks executive producing, greenlighting this project. And they bring in a couple other people to work on the script. It ends up being fully written by John Gatnitz and Jeremy Levin on top of the original Dan Gilroy draft. That's why all three of them, that's why Dan Gilroy gets the story credit and the other two kind of have a screenplay credit. Um, but then, yeah, they go on, they get the draft made. They bring in an advertising company, 533, which makes this 200 page like document all about like robot boxing and like the intricacies of it and like what it is. And so they really build that stuff out, which I think is interesting. As Levy's finishing up date night, he's kind of working on this. And then, uh, he, you know, he gets to officially come in and is just really interested in like this crazy premise that's really just a you know a humanistic sports drama he said that's interesting it, it kind of came from a split between a couple studios as well and yeah i'm not sure uh, you know if the writers are proud of their credits um you know we, we could probably get them on the pod because i doubt they're working today uh, <laughs> but yeah that is kind of a cool journey and i mean sean Levy, like i said it, it's on brand for him so i feel like that makes sense that they would go after a guy like that so that, that is kind of a cool process i like that you know i'm Interested in what the Dan Gilroy script would be. I would imagine it to be more of a darker world and more, less interested in the family stuff. I can see that as kind of like being an addition, whereas I'm sure this is more focused on like the gritty boxing, you know. And I think that movie would be 
maybe more interesting than this one at times. Oh, I, I'd heavily agree with that. Last fun fact I want to point out, this movie, like I said, executive produced by Steven Spielberg, but also executive produced by Robert Zemeckis. And this is the first time those two work together uh, since Back to the Future Part 3. So bringing Ooh. back some uh, some old pals together. When you see a movie like this and it's executive produced Robert Zemeckis, executive produced Steven Spielberg, you wonder how many conversations did those two individuals actually have about this movie face-to-face? Mm. Probably not very many. That's <laughs> Would you, over under on like uh, I don't even know five. I, I I feel like it's definitely under that though. Oh, I I would go with the under for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Maybe they'll team up for a Pinocchio too. But one can hope. Let's continue to talk about the movie where the the robots steal our jobs. In our next category, trailer talk. Charlie Kenton is in the house. I want to know. Times have changed. Fighting has changed. But the crowd, they never change. Our main event tonight features pain. They just get bigger. The human body can only take so much. But the steel never stops. This is what it's all about. Let's make some money. Another new one here. What we're going to be doing is talking about the trailers, kind of, you know, comparing the differences. Is it a good marketing material? Does it accurately present the movie? So the first trailer that came out is kind of just real short. It's a lot of flashes of like Hugh Jackman narration and images from the movie. But it does, it really is just focusing on like Hugh Jackman being like a robot boxer. There's not really any of the family stuff. Like you see some flashes, but uh, what did you think of that trailer? Yeah, the first one, I mean, it's it's basically just a teaser, which I definitely like. I mean, like you said, it's, it's pretty much just, you know, dialogue of Hugh Jackman talking about God knows what, and then Hugh Jackman and the robot boxing together. I mean, the visuals I, I do kind of like. I think the visuals are one of the strong points of this film. And kind of, you know, focusing on that probably did help out with the box office because nobody cares about that family drama. We just want to see some robot on robot <laughs> action out here. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I was pretty positive on the trailer and, and overall, it didn't really like misrepresent the movie in any way. Um, it wasn't exactly what the movie was going to be, but I, I thought it was it was pretty decent, honestly, for a teaser. Yeah, I think it does a pretty good job. Like you said, the first one is kind of just teasing the generic idea. What's the log line? Okay, this is a movie about robot boxing. Sick. And especially in, you know, 2011 or late 2010 when this first trailer would have been released. I mean, this is in the thick of the Transformers. Like, robots are big. We got we to gotta capitalize on that. And uh, Real Steel is just another example of that. Um, the second trailer does get a little bit more into the actual story. It's more featuring um, Evangeline Lilly narration rather than uh stuff from hugh jackman but there's other characters kind of thrown in as where is my money buddy i got your money it's right i'm good but charlie you're uh, losing your belt wait charlie hey. i can't hear what you're saying what was he like as a boxer charlie was the top contender number two in the world then the fight game changed with you no you're not i'm either coming with you or you're fishing for your keys in the sewer oh my god that was close whoa stubborn kid 
This ain't a video game. This is for real. Let's make some money! need a little loan. As much as I like you, dude, you're a bad bet, brother. Give it up, Charlie. You got nothing left. What are we looking for? Anything I could use to put a fighting robot together. I think there's a whole robot in there. Um, I, I think it really just lays everything out for you. This one probably gives away too much information, which I know you're not a fan of. Yeah, this was the typical Hollywood trailer, I feel like. Just beat for beat, you know, what the movie's about. Which, you know, that is what it is. That's just, you know, how people sell uh, movies these days, which is understandable. But altogether, I mean, it wasn't the worst trailer I've ever seen. It, it pretty much just gave away the entire plot, which was not too much to begin with. Honestly, in general, I feel like I like these trailers more than I like the actual movie just because there wasn't any sort of like wasted space or dialogue. Even the second one was, it was cut super quickly, moved from scene to scene, had a fun, like couple zany Anthony Mackie lines in there too. So there was a little bit of just like more fun, I think in the second one too, while the first one was more kind of just like centered on, oh, this is serious robot boxing. When the second one, you kind of did get that that family tone a little bit. Obviously the they show the kid in the in the sewer scene. Which is not the worst scene in the movie. I wish they would have shown more of Hugh Jackman being an asshole because that was half the movie. But uh, yeah, like I said, this one was just like the typical Hollywood trailer, I feel like. Pretty generic. Um, I will say it like it holds Zeus back. So I'll give it that. You don't really get a, a very many shots of Zeus. So like that's at least something that you can go to the movie to see. Even on the poster, the poster is just ambush which is the robot from the beginning of the movie that's gone in the first 20 minutes and then adam of course so that's kind of weird it's hugh jackman and those two robots which whatever then the other thing i wanted to talk about is that this movie is also very much sold on hugh jackman his name is billed above the title he's got you know that billing nobody else's name appears on the poster or in the trailer there's no nobody cares about anthony mackie or evangeline Lilly, especially at this time and and then dakota goyo you know he goes on to be the little kid in Thor, but he, he doesn't do a whole lot. Um, so yeah, this is this is a Hugh Jackman movie. Nobody's here to see uh, Kevin Durant, and James Redhorn, you know, doing their thing. You say Kevin Durant? Uh, Kevin Durant, dude. <laughs> Kevin Durant, gotcha. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, at the time, I feel like Evangeline Lilly wasn't established too much. Obviously, she was in Lost, but I mean, even the jump from TV to movie, they're not going to bill you as a main star, I don't think. And then, yeah, Anthony Mackie, he's always been sort of low-key, I feel like, until coming into the Marvel scene. I feel like he's in everything, but people just don't really give him credit. So it's not surprising. And, you know, back in 2011, they were they were doing that with this film. But, yeah, I mean, Hugh Jackman, he was established with the X-Men. People like Wolverine. I mean, he did the prestige, what, I don't know, five years earlier, too. Nobody cared about that either, to be fair. But, I mean, he's a certified, you know, lead, I feel like, in a movie. So if there was one person and there pretty much is only one to sell it on, that makes sense. They would, they would pick you. Evangeline Lilly has had a, a pretty interesting career. And I think she's a person that like for a time was not even really interested in like staying an actor. And honestly, the Marvel stuff has been like the main thing she did for a few years. But obviously she was on Lost from 2004 to 2010. Uh, she had an appearance in The Hurt Locker in that run, but she didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, she was making a very intensive TV show for six years and 120 episodes over that span. So you don't have a lot of time to do other stuff. But then Real Steel is like her first major movie role coming out of Lost in 2011. Then yeah. Peter Jackson gets her to 
play a role in the Hobbit movies, which, you know, you know, what, whatever you think about those. So she's making those for, you know, two years. And then Ant-Man is right after that. She's Hope Van Dyne. She's in another thing called Little Evil. I don't really know much about in 2017. So she's in Ant-Man in 2015. She's in Little Evil in 2017. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp 2018. She does a voice in Black Ops 4 in 2018 and nothing else. She's in Avengers Endgame in 2019. And then nothing else in 2019 or 2020. Obviously, that's a whole thing. And then she's been in a couple things released in 2021, 2022. Um, and then, of course, you have Quantum Mania this year. But she's not a person that's really acted a ton, um, which I think is interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I feel like maybe she's just wondering, she's, she's like, oh, like, I found my paycheck. I don't really need to do too much. Because I feel like, in, I mean, after the first couple seasons, those people were getting paid a decent amount. Um, I don't even remember her in the Hurt Locker, if I'm being completely honest. That's probably on me. And I mean, also, she's in the end game for like, what, five minutes tops. But yeah, in general, I mean, I do like Evangeline Lilly as an actress. I wish she was in more stuff other than just being the Wasp, which I think she is good. I was going to bring this up in the ugly. Obviously, recently, she's gotten into a little bit of hot water for um, <laughs> sharing some controversial covid deny not even like vaccine mandate anti-stuff you know just like weird conspiracy theory shit it's just like it's at this point it's just like dude just shut up like no one cares just stop yeah i agree i forgot about that for me and i feel like when that happens with people i just wipe it from my mind completely because she's like what like what are you talking about that's just so unnecessary especially coming from people in hollywood who half the time have no idea what they're talking about but yeah i take it like Evangeline Lily, stay at home. I don't want to see you. <laughs> she has to because she doesn't have her vax card. She has to stay at home. <laughs> Let's move into the uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. Starting with the good, Cody, I mean, it doesn't seem like you have a lot. So what what can you muster up? What's good about Real Steel? <laughs> you know, I, I did some deep, deep thinking for this category. So the bad, it was just like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to say. But there is some good. I, I like this movie a little bit, at least. The first thing, uh, and this is like, it's kind of good, but the robot-kid relationship's okay. Uh, do we know the kid's name? What, what's the character's name? Do we know? I have no no idea. Max. Max. Interesting. Uh, His dad's anyways. Charlie. <laughs> oh, they say the word Charlie about 100 times in this film, but uh, Max, I feel like, is not as said as much. But yeah, the Max-Adam relationship, I do like. I think it's kind of weird at the beginning, uh, which we'll get into later. But I think it's good. My probably favorite part of the movie is just him dancing with the robot. Even Hugh Jackman's like, oh, people love that shit. Like, do that every single time. Like, uh, we'll get super popular. I mean, that's just good writing, I feel like, because I really... Bad dancing, do... though. Yeah, I, I like the dancing. I don't know. It, you know, it, well, duh, uh, yeah, I guess so. But anyways, also with Max, I think this kid's a hell of a promoter. I think he's got a career in his future. I mean, he he went from one fight in this professional league and then straight to a title match which is unbelievable stuff promotion wise. So shout out to him. I think him and like uh, Max in general is an interesting enough character that I don't hate him. It, it's just unfortunate. Uh, the acting is terrible. But anyways, my last positive, I, I like the Timbaland song at the end. You know, Timbaland's a great artist. Uh, you give me a solid song at the end, kind of just end the movie off on, on a high note and uh, I'm going to be happy. So you throw in, you know, dancing and Timbaland, uh, you can't go wrong. So th th those would be my main positives. Definitely some interesting thoughts uh, <laughs> in there. This movie we, we talk about is essentially being a, a ripoff of Rocky, right? There is something to be said that like 
I mean, Rocky won best picture. It's a good story. There's a, there's a good heartwarming story about, you know, the underdog coming up and still being the people's champion, despite losing the end. I, I think even the Creed franchise as a whole is a good example of the like formula can be good and can be adapted and built upon. I don't think real steel does a great job of renewing or changing or refreshing the idea much beyond their fucking robots. Like there's not a whole, it's, there's not a whole nother layer to it. Um, I, I think Creed offers a lot, a lot more despite essentially being a Rocky remake, you know, having a similar journey and, and loss at the end, but this one doesn't really innovate on the idea too much there you know it is a good story at the end of the day at its core so you got to give it somewhat props for that i do like the actual score of this movie danny elfman does a pretty solid job we talked about him our last opening movie men in black you know uh, we like his work so um pretty good stuff again comparing it to rocky like it's never going to be the rocky music but like good sports movies like this have to have you know good training montage movie good pump up music good stuff for the final fight and i, I you know i think danny elfman does a decent job of uh, holding that up the vfx of the robots i i would say for 2011 is pretty impressive like i could imagine seeing a movie like this being done today in a rushed fashion that would honestly look worse i think they kind of took their time they tried you know cared to make these robots look good they also built real animatronic versions of them that they could move around and use in some scenes and then they also use you know fully cgi versions so being able to use both of those methods and depending on how they needed them to move so that they could create tactile interesting you know robots in the frame um, I, I think the robot design as a whole is pretty interesting. Um, you know, the fights, the buildups aren't, the fights themselves are not extremely cool or extremely innovative, but you know, there's cool robots, the, the two headed robot, there's the, the red guy where there's the semi trucks and all the fire behind, um, Midas is a, is a cool robot Metro that starts beating the shit out of himself when he loses. I mean, then of course, Zeus at the end, just kind of like you know, this giant, almost samurai-esque in the face, crazy like robot that's just a killing machine. They they did use uh, some of the similar technology that was developed in the making of Avatar just a couple years earlier to do some of the motion capture for the boxing. Uh, they had Sugar Ray Leonard come in and be an advisor for all the boxing scenes. So, you know, there is some legit punches being thrown in here. Yeah, they put some effort into it, it seems like, the more you talk about it. And um, I mean, now that you bring it, the character design of the robots, I actually really like. I feel like they just don't focus on that, which kind of sucks. But yeah, and the boxing scenes were entertaining enough. I don't know. I, I feel like the budget-wise, too, I did just look at it quickly. It was around like $110 million, which I feel like is a lot more than I think would have thought it would be, excuse me. But I mean, the fact that they even built like these massive robots in real life, I figured this was all CGI. That's pretty freaking cool. I, I can see those like in real life. Like stand next to it, and be like, um, you know, actual take that, actually take that in. So I feel like if they actually, you know, made that more obvious in the film that it wasn't CGI, I guess I wasn't really looking for it to be fair. But that is a cool point. They they put a lot of effort in, into kind of you know the characters and the robot design. Yeah, definitely. I think Jackman is good in this movie. You know, everybody at different points is operating at different levels, but I, I do think Jackman is is trying hard and is is putting forth quite a role. You know, he's he's playing this piece of shit grifter. Jackman can kind of tap into a certain like darkness or like lack of responsibility in his eyes, and you can just kind of feel it, even in like the prison in the movie Prisoners, where like 
he is so concerned for his daughter's well-being where like in this movie he's obviously not concerned for his son's well-being even in that movie there's like a a darkness and like a piece of shit quality to who he is as a person like there's that that level to him and i think he can play that pretty well you know in the beginning you want five dollars seriously no i want five dollars immediately <laughs> like you know I, I don't know I, I like jackman in this and um I, I think the uh, the buildup of the father-son stuff it, it works out well as well. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there. I don't even know where to start. Um, I mean, he plays I, cocky I think, well as well, which, I mean, yeah, this has got to be I one like, of the cockiest characters of all time. I like him like being a dick to the little kids. I think that's funny or whatever. But I don't think he's good in this film. You comparing him to his performance in Prisoners is an abomination in itself. <laughs> he was robbed, I think, of not even Nam, but a, just an, an Oscar win that year. Uh, obviously a better of, performance but he, he's i mean he's a great actor i'd love you jackman the prestige we talk about that a ton uh but in this movie god awful and uh, it's not his fault though like hugh jackman's a good actor there's just a lot of moving parts like i said everybody's pretty much a decent actor in this movie but they're all terrible so i mean i, I don't blame i i blame the script and the direction more but uh yeah i would not i would not compare his darkness to to prisoners to, to this film where he's just a fun dick but it, it's a, it's a little bit different character wise but i see where you're coming from i mean it, it's hugh jackman How can i love the guy let's uh head over to the bad cody uh i'll start here um just yeah. this like in general there's not like consequences at any point and there's no like real air of like any of anything matters or anything is serious like first of all i said it earlier but this kid's mom just died and he like does not care you forgot it happened because yeah. it's like it's just like oh we're all just gonna move on like well he's doing what our fucking you know, like he just doesn't give a shit like he maybe he's just hiding it i don't know but there's there's no consequence to that hugh jackman owes a ton of people money as well we do see some of the consequence to that but they don't even really do that much to him like they act like they beat him up but they don't really beat him up that much um, he also owes other people money, but they never really come asking for it when they break in and steal the robot. Like they're acting like, Oh, this is a big deal. And then like, they just go in and get this rope, like whatever. Um, the money aspect of building the robot. Cause just cause you get a piece of junk, like you still have to put all these new parts and spend all this money. Like that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> the, the robot boxing doesn't make any more sense, but I'll, I'll throw it over to you. To- yeah. I feel like you're being pretty nitpicky. Honestly. I mean, yeah, money-wise, I mean, he probably owes a lot of people money, but who cares? Like, it's robot boxing. That, that's not the important part here. Uh, I got some hard hitters here to start this off with. My first one, and uh, this is my biggest gripe with the movie. Uh, it's just this kid. Well, it's a couple. It's two things combined. First off, it's a, it's a blatant Dr. Pepper um, endorsement deal, uh, which I just can't stand in most movies. And this one, they do it terribly. Um, and then along with that, it's this little kid wearing a wife beater <laughs> while drinking Dr. Pepper while trading his robot all night. Uh, I just hate it. And that's my main thing. Also, I mean, a lot of things with Hugh Jackman's character. First off, he's just an asshole. Very unlikable. Uh, secondly, he's, he's like involving his kid who, you know, he just recently kind of he didn't even adopt. He's just taking care of him for like a couple months. He's involving him in all these illegal activities you know stealing robots from you know these empty whatever warehouses whatever you want to call them uh so that's not great another big thing for me too is just the custody battle uh sort sort of storyline it just bored me uh, uh, i feel like we've seen it a million times in every other media 
And you're right. I mean, I, I did almost forget his mom died. It, it's that forgettable. And he doesn't bring it up once. I don't think the entire movie and what he's like a 10 year old kid and, and his mom who takes care of him, uh, you know, single mom, I guess he just doesn't care that much. You know, he is Hugh Jackman's uh, son who's a complete asshole. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Just kind of the overall arc of, you know, them together. I think it's effective maybe at the end. But the whole custody battle at the beginning, I was just bored. Well, Cody, you're a lot like Hugh Jackman. Um, you don't know the kid's age. He's 11. You didn't even know his name. Of course. Um, <laughs> so, so you're really similar to the character. So maybe you shouldn't, you know, talk down on him too much. But <laughs> how does he become a fucking robot building genius, Cody? When does the kid learn to, like, he's the one who fixes Adam. Like, he puts the voice modular or whatever in his head. Like, when does he do that? Does uh, Evangeline Lilly give him like a six week crash course in five minutes that they're alone? Like, I just do not understand that whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I think what really helped him was, you know, all the Dr. Peppers. True. You give an 11 year old a Dr. Pepper and they're fucking building (laughs) robots. That, that, I mean, that, that is good product placement. No, no, but uh, (laughs) I would say it's kind of convenient too, that he's like this massive robot boxing fan. Like, like, like I said, the kid's 11 years old. I don't know. Well, I think that I, I like that though, because it's like, like father, like son. Yeah. But I feel like his mom would be like, don't watch that crap. Like it reminds me of your dad. Uh, but maybe that's why he did it anyways, too. Just get a glimpse of that. But yeah, everything all together too. Oh, actually, I want to bring up one other thing as well. Um, the, the final fight between Zeus and Adam, I think structurally it was actually pretty interesting. I think like it is a little bit of a, a rip off of a lot of other movies. And that, oh, you're kind of just wearing out, you know, the overdog. And then he gets tired at the end and then you take him down. But I think the the thing that I really have a grip with is the judges scores. I don't know how it was so close because Adam got his ass beat for four rounds, basically four and a half. He and definitely the lost end, the first four rounds. Yeah. And all the judges scores were like, oh, 50, 48, like 48, 49. Like, what are you watching, bro? He just dominated for four rounds. If you can get knocked out in the fifth round, which almost happened, to be fair, but it, it like the scorecard should not even been close. So that's just a, a sports, you know, specific gripe to me. But th- these judges are idiots, basically. Yeah, I mean, it was really weird when the robots also started like talking. It was like running around. Yeah, Adrian, Adrian. Yeah, that was really strange. But, you know, the thing is like, the, I think it probably just focuses on the result too much at the end where like, that's one of the beautiful things about that moment in Rocky is that like Rocky doesn't even give a shit if he wins or loses. Like it's happening in the background of the scene while he's like, just trying to find Adrian and find his love. And like in this, they're like, Oh, did we win? Like, what's going to happen? Like, like obviously they're having their sweet moment, but like they care that they just got their fucking asses beat and you know, no, you know, enjoy the, enjoy your loss. I wanted to talk about the music. You shouted out the Timbaland song. This Mm. movie features Till I Collapse by Eminem, which, you know, obviously a classic, yeah. but but it features also, I think, another Eminem song in its soundtrack, or at least a featuring Eminem. The music as a whole just feels extremely dated to me, which is ironic because it's like set in the future, but it's like, it's like this very like early 2010s, which like maybe is the worst era of rap music. Like, God, it's Ooh. people say rap music now is bad, but Jesus. I this there's some bad music in this no it's just like it's because it's like the most no I'll take that back but it's because all the music in this is like the most recycled this can go in a PG-13 it's gonna work let's give me the Eminem and the Royce to five not like I don't know it's just a weird assortment of people at weird points in their career and I'm just not a fan of the music that 
there sean levy chose to uh to back this film yeah i feel like it's like the cleanest most generic rap music of all time but it is a family film so that makes sense but i feel like if you're gonna go that direction maybe you know go a different direction with the the music score i mean the, the music soundtrack as well but yeah th- that is a good point like i i do i do like cu- a couple of the songs <laughs> like i mentioned the timberland one but that's, that's at the end so it doesn't really count and yeah, I mean, the Eminem, you know, main one as well is not terrible, but I, I do agree with you. It, it, it's not great. So I collapsed by Eminem samples. We will rock you by Queen. There's a little fun fact for the week. Let's move over to the ugly Cody. Uh, I, I mean, I mentioned it. Evangeline anti-vax stuff. Uh, not great. Um, this movie is actually set in the year 2020, so it would be even worse for her character yeah. uh, when you really start <laughs> to think about it. Uh, also, just, you know, being an asshole dad, not taking care of your son, not knowing what age he is, extorting $100,000 from your your baby mama's sister, like all that stuff is not good. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, that I would agree with you completely there. Um, My one thing I wanted to add on to that too, uh, bullfighting robots. I was gonna, that was my next point. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like that really did not even need to be in this movie. Cause I feel like- Weird opening. Yeah, in that situation too, it's like, okay, this robot doesn't feel any pain. But I mean, if the robot wins, like you're killing, you're just killing an animal basically. So I feel like that's pretty tough. And yeah, like you could have just had a robot instead, like beat the crap out of Hugh Jackman's. I don't really know why it would need to be a bull. It's kind of a cool shot where like his horns go through it and then like slice it, I guess. That would be the reason it's in the movie instead of a robot. But you could just have one with like a a massive katana or something. Like you could could, uh, accessorize the robots, I think a little bit more. I think that was almost entirely about a set piece more than anything of like, this would yeah. be a cool way to introduce. And also like this movie is very much ingrained in like classical Americana state fairs, you know, like that kind of aesthetic Midwest feel Michigan, the motors, like it's got that kind of aesthetic mixed in with it throughout. So like opening your movie at this, like basically akin to like a hog wrestling but like a bullfighting ring and at this county fair or whatever um was a, a very clear and obvious choice it's one that you don't need especially because later in the movie you find out like how easy it is to just find a fucking random ass robot fighting like why did hugh jackman have to be fighting a bull he because when they get their next robot they go and they go to like a million different robot fights you know in the in the desert by the semi trucks at the zoo with the the robot like there's uh, robot fights everywhere apparently (laughs) yeah and i feel like the locations do get better as we go along that's actually a really good point too like this has an unbelievable midwest vibe now that you say that I mean, the opening scene is is at the fair with the cornfield and stuff. And then I feel like... I mean, that's I think where the... You mentioned Interstellar. I think that's definitely where it comes from. Yeah, that's true too. And like, like you belong to more of like the inner city Chicago vibe with uh, Anthony Mackey's place. And you kind of go all over. But in general, I feel like it is kind of catered towards the Midwest. Maybe I didn't notice that because I'm just so used to the aesthetic in general. Um, but I don't really like that about the movie either. So we can just throw it <laughs> at that. <laughs> Last ugly thing, I mean, the, the just the dancing. That's fucking awful. <laughs> no, I love that. That's the best. That I that is the one thing I genuinely really like about the movie. So that's stuff. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. We're back with whose line is it anyway. Welcome to whose line is it anyway? Another new category. 
We're going to be throwing some quotes back and forth at each other. This is kind of just an opportunity to kind of talk about some funny lines in the movie, but uh, also, you know, quiz each other on uh, who said them. So uh, what do you got for me first, Cody? Yeah, I got a couple of great lines that I'm very excited to share with you today. The first one, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with the shorter one. Keep it simple. So yeah, the line is, don't get loud with me. Don't get loud with me. <laughs> great piece of writing there that I had to shout out. Um, and the, the is even better. I would, I would say, I mean, is this not, is it Max Kenton? It is not Max, Max Kenton. Uh, I don't know the character's name. It, it's Evangeline Lilly. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey Tallett? Sure. Bailey. Shout out Bales. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the thing about this movie and I, I struggle with this category, I think it will be easier for other movies, but like, there's not a lot of quotes and they're mostly just like lines that like Hugh Jackman and Evangeline Lilly are reading. It's, there's yeah. nothing like too powerful in here to, to really talk about. It, it also may have been, don't get loud with me, Charlie, or something at the end, but that, that's a possibility. I didn't, I don't know if that's verbatim, but it was definitely, don't get loud with me. And I just laughed at that line. I, I wrote that down without even thinking about this category too, just to show off how terrible the dialogue is. So yeah, shout out the writers. I got one for you here. You ready? Yeah. Your bot don't fight. You don't get paid. <laughs> that's pretty good uh i don't know it's the country guy who beats his ass i don't know the character kevin name. durant oh that's kevin durant <laughs> easy money sniper himself kevin durant kevin durant should sue this movie for just likeness of name i think um he's one letter yeah. off it's a great line I, I i actually don't hate the country guy i'm surprised uh, you didn't bring him up i figured you would not like him at all but i'm kind of different about him I, I don't hate him i'd say him and mohawk gag uh at times like carry the movie a little bit um so shout out them i do have another line to present to you as well i guess this one's pretty short too i don't even know why i said it was <laughs> but it also it's it's a yelling line now, i don't want to scream but just keep that in mind too but it's come on charlie get in there <laughs> who said that um I, I want to say Hope Davis said it. I want to say Aunt Deborah. I don't know. Who was it? <laughs> no, it, it was Evangeline Lilly again. Again, okay. Yeah, an Evangeline Lilly double. Uh, this was when she was in the bar watching the fight on the TV. And uh, there was some weird, creepy guy like sitting there staring at her who had no lines of dialogue. I'm sure I think they must have cut something. Yeah. Yeah, because that makes no sense. But yeah, and she was just like randomly screaming in a bar at the TV saying, Come on, Charlie, get in there. So yeah, another great piece of dialogue there. But yeah, Evangeline Lilly, I, I really do feel bad for you because uh, you were given absolutely nothing to work with. Uh, yeah, those are my two. All right, my uh, my line for you. Knock that little bitch. Bust him open. Knock that little bitch. Bust him open. <laughs> the, I mean, that's got to be Mohawk guy. It's got to be. No? Let me, give, me, give me a second guess. Uh, say I'll say it's in the final fight. The Zeus versus Adam fight. What's the Knock that little bitch? Bust him <laughs> open. <laughs> I'm not doing your impression. Just I don't know. Is it, is it the baby daddy of uh, his aunt? I have no idea. Yeah, it's Aunt Deborah. So it's that, it that's aunt why Deborah? I guess she okay. says that. She yells that at it for some reason. In the middle of the fight, having like shown no like passion or anything in the entire movie, she gets to have her big moment where she's like, Knock that little bitch! Bust him open! Knock that little bitch! Bust him open! <laughs> I like that. 
you know, I, I take back a little bit what I said about the writer. That's just great writing. So, yeah, respect. Um, and then this is an obvious one, but mm. I told you I hate hamburgers. That would be uh, Max himself. I mean, also, I mean, what what kid hates hamburgers? Like, this kid's capping. He just hasn't had a real hamburger, I feel like. Yeah, he also says hamburger's kind of weird. I, I don't really know what's up with this kid. Um, Dakota Goya hasn't a acted. Hasn't yeah. acted since like 2014. Hasn't been in anything. So yeah, and he was in Thor, which you mentioned, but I mean, it was just that that tiny little flashback scene when like Odin is talking to Loki and Thor, and he's like, "Only one of you can be king." Like it's kind of a dick scene, anyways, from Odin. And I, maybe they were like chasing each other earlier too. I don't remember, but he, he's barely in it. He's also uh, young Noah in the uh, the classic uh, film Noah. Really? Okay. I've not seen that Russell Crowe Russell Crowe joint. I think Emma Watson's in that movie too, isn't she? Jennifer Conley, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, de- directed by Darren Aronofsky. Is that an Aronofsky? Maybe I should check that. I did not know Aronofsky directed that. That makes sense with that cast now. You know who else is in it? Who? Kevin Durant. <laughs> oh, Kevin Durant. Uh, I'm not. Let's let's move on. I don't want to ask. Kyrie <laughs> is not in it, unfortunately. He um, should or, be. or maybe luckily for the sake. True. Invite fight night. Invite. Who do you want to invite on the pod? Cody, we had to bring this category back. Oh yeah, this is one. Of, this is by far one of my favorite categories. I would say, yeah. And to invite on the pod, it's it's kind of a double. I'm kind of cheating a little bit, but first off, I do just want to invite Max on. I think he's got a pretty interesting story, and I'd love a little bit more emotional perspective on kind of what he was feeling throughout. You can bring all that emotion that's clearly bottled up inside yeah. out. We'll have a little bit of a therapy session. And I mean, by now, share war stories. Exactly. And by now too, like he, he'd be a lot older. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he would have gone through that. I feel like so, but not because this movie's set in 2020. So he'd only uh, be 14. Yeah. But I mean, that's a lot older in kid age, but anyway, along with that, I do want to invite Neil deGrasse Tyson just to explain the physics of Max. And I want Max to describing how this happened. So I want that him to go through how he fell down this cliff and got caught by this not alive robot, which is never explained. And I just love Neil deGrasse Tyson be there too and kind of just debunk everything this kid's saying because none of it's going to make sense. Uh, but that's that's the main reason I want Max on too because he's an annoying little shit. But I really just want to know, you know, why the robot caught him, you know, if that's explained at all in, in some other script. But yeah, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you know, I don't know if the people have ever been asking for more annoying little shits on this podcast, but, you know, <laughs> maybe two wasn't enough. Um, but I, <laughs> I will say that is a good point. You know, flip that. The, 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 the falling doesn't make any sense. He, yeah. How does he get caught? Um, surprise Hugh Jackman doesn't drop him. He's such a bad dad. That could have been an easy out for him. If I mean, based on his, his earlier character motivations, it's not surprising or it wouldn't have been surprising. I would say just in general, the physics of this movie make no sense. Like even the whole like robots punching each other and like how that affects their circuitry or not. Like there's just some, some shit doesn't add up here with uh, any of this, to be honest. It's futuristic tech, dude. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Well, I guess maybe Neil would. Let's hope. Um, Me, I want to bring in, uh, you mentioned him a second ago, Mohawk guy, Kingpin. I want to get that guy on the podcast. Um, Funny enough, he's also played by the screenwriter of this movie. So uh, you could dish out on him a little bit and tell him how awful of a writer he is. So it's a a double double whammy. Yeah, nice two for one 
Um, I would expect him to be in character with the Mohawk. Because uh, if you just came on as a screenwriter, it's not going to be a very fun show. No, we don't want John Gatness. <laughs> we want Kingpin. Mohawk and all, headphones on top of it. Yeah, that was one of my favorite characters, honestly. So I like that pick a lot. And is you think he's a zookeeper? Is that how they got in? Like, I don't... What's the logistics? I, well, whatever. Yeah, okay. I mean, he is running the zoo. So that, that, that would make sense. Yeah. We need to find out. We need more information. Um, also... Takashido, the the creator of Zeus, uh, I gotta understand why he's so angry all the time. Uh, why do you have such a special interest in Adam? That's something that they kind of hint at. Um, yeah, I, I think he in this world is is probably the most interesting person alive. I agree. I highly considered picking both. I mean, we haven't really talked about it. I guess they're kind of the main villains, but it's not really touched on what they do or how they do it. Max briefly says. Oh, you know, you, you use your money to to buy out everything in this sport so you can tr- you can control it and stay champion and stuff like that. I mean, that's kind of interesting. Why didn't we see more of that? So they also yeah, have like an that. AI robot that's like learning moves and how I don't know. That's like seems like PEDs. How's that even legal? <laughs> There's PEDs in the robot boxing. Oh, I'm sorry, that's funny. But yeah, that is true. I mean, there's a little bit of an AI aspect there that's not even touched on because Max and him are like, oh, you understand what I'm saying, right? And then he's like, oh, I'll keep it that, our little secret. And then it's never touched on again, I feel like, really at all. But yeah, that would be another interesting aspect to ask Max about as well. Let's go on to uh, fight. Who do you want to fight, Cody? I brought him up already because I, I had to, but it's the guy staring at Evangeline Bully in the bar while she's trying to fight. Just a real creep, you know, no dialogue, obviously. So nothing to that really stands out. But just every time it cuts to her, this guy is just staring directly next to her face at a bar. Just weird. And the no dialogue kind of even makes it worse because, like, we don't even get, like, a cool moment of, like, her, like, you know, punching him in the face or something or kicking him in the nuts. Like, I would have seen that. Then I wouldn't have to put him in the fight category here. But since we didn't see that, you know, he he deserves a, a little ass whooping. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to put him in here. There's a lot of people to choose from, though. And uh, I'm excited to see who you're going to pick to fight. You know, you said that you were surprised that I hadn't mentioned him yet. And that's because I was really saving him for these last two categories. I got to talk about <laughs> how fucking awful Kevin Durant is in this movie. Yeah. I cannot stand <laughs> what he is doing as the character of Ricky. I don't really want to beat up Kevin Durant for bad acting. He's I mean, he's already got enough going on as being a bad actor. We don't need to fight him. So I'll just say I'll fight his character, Ricky and Proxy, because he is an awful human being who, uh, on top of the fact of, of having an awful accent, is, is just beat the, shit, beat the shit out of Hugh Jackman in front of his kid, which I, I think is a low blow. Yeah. He also stole his money, which is kind of just like, wow, you're a real dirtbag. Like, I, you know, I mean, Hugh Jackman, also not good guy, just to 100% to be clear, but, you know. Everyone's He's the hero of the story. Yeah, sure. I, I well, I wouldn't go that far, but um, I mean, everyone's in the wrong in that situation, really. But he he's very much in the wrong. So yeah, that that's an easy choice. I, I definitely back that one. And then knight Cody. Yeah, who I'm gonna knight here? Honestly, I just want to knight all of the fallen robots. You know, they don't really deserve this. It's kind of unfair that they're even put into this situation. And uh, kind of just going back to the character designs, I like those a lot too. So shout out just a few of them uh the purple japanese guy little boy i really like noisy boy oh noisy boy whatever see these names are terrible but noisy boy i like his design a lot i'm not gonna lie that's probably my favorite design of the bunch also the first one that he had 
like him rising out of his trailer was a cool scene and then he got killed in like 10 minutes uh, the double head guy i think that design unique and i'm surprised there weren't more robots like that honestly because i feel like it's an advantage um and yeah any others i forgot about obviously zeus uh, and uh, adam don't really fall they get their asses whooped by each other but they're still around so uh, unfortunately today they're, they're not getting knighted yeah, all, all, to all the fallen robots, that, that's my uh, dedication here. Yeah, Noisy Boy, I mean, he kind of has like a, a cap season one color scheme going on as well. The purple and the gold yeah. lettering and gold writing. So he's basically Cap's robot, um, although he does uh, get his ass beat. So that's not good. Um, you said Adam wasn't getting knighted today. Well, you'd be wrong there because I'm knighting him. That's my pick. Um, yeah, is he sentient? Is he not? Who knows? I don't know. But, it, you know, he's a good guy. I mean, he's an underdog. I think so. He is sentient, right? Yeah. The recast. My name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. I got to get rid of Kevin Durant. I'm not going to replace him with Kevin Durant, uh, but I am going to replace him with Ben Foster from Hell or High Water. Um, nice. Specifically in the vein of that character. You know, it's a similar country, yeah. rust, you know, kind of guy. Um, but yeah, because I, 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 I want, you need to have the accent. You need to be the cowboy. You need to be the, the rough and tumble guy. But Kevin Durant to me just comes off as like very phony the entire time. And, and I don't think I would use that to describe um, what Ben Foster does in Hell or High Water whatsoever. So that, that's what I want. Yep. I like that. I think Ben Foster's a great choice. Pretty underrated actor, especially in, in Hell or High Water. And uh, yeah, I mean, the accent work is is really bad, obviously, from Kevin Durand. Um, I feel like he's obviously trying to do a fake Southern accent, which is a weird choice. Um, and obviously doesn't work at all. But I like that. Uh, I got a couple recasts. First off, I got to get rid of the kid, uh, whatever his name is. I mean, he can dance, but he can't do much else. And I got a couple picks. Definitely uh, let me know which one you like more. First one, we're going to throw it back to the the, I, the 90s. Haley Joel Osment acting, action. I can't talk today. Um, but obviously, the Sixth Sense kid. Just a good actor. And pretty much all I want in this role. Um, a second pick that I think is more fun because it's it keeps it on the MCU theme. And it probably would have worked at the time, too. Give me a young Tom Holland in this role. Maybe it wouldn't have been perfect. Maybe he was a little bit than he would have needed to be at the time. I don't know. Math is hard. But I think in hindsight, it would have been really fun to have Tom Holland in this movie just because he's surrounded by like Marvel actors. And, and I think that'd be cool. It would have been a little old, maybe, but a little you know, too I can see it. Um, yeah. What do you just throwing this out there and, you know, shoot it down? Say no. What about Jake Lloyd coming off the Phantom Menace? Throw him in there. Um, I'd probably say no for a couple reasons. Uh, first off, I mean, he, he's terrible in The Phantom Menace. Secondly, uh, everybody told him he was terrible, so he hates acting and had a bunch of issues growing up. But maybe this would have turned his career around. So I don't hate it. Maybe as his counselor, I would I would think it's a good idea. But as a movie fan, I, I'd probably say no. Just spitballing. <laughs> yeah, I do have another recast as well, and it's actually for the director. You know, we were talking about Sean Levy. It makes sense, you know, for the family film sort of connoisseur in him. But I want to replace him with Neil Blomkamp. Uh, Blomkamp, I ever say it, I don't know. Um, but obviously that would scratch the tone drastically, make it a much darker film. And uh, sci-fi is kind of his go-to. So a little sci-fi robot boxing action, make it a lot darker. Is it set in South Africa now? 
Is that that's my question? Oh, uh, we can we can do a crossover with District Nine, honestly. Well, no, um, just Neil Blomkamp is a, a South African director. I mean, like Chappie is set there, District Nine as well. Yeah, but Chappie sucks. But yeah, I mean Hugh Jackman. <laughs> true, I forgot he's in that. But yeah, for the sequels, we can do a District Nine, you know, crossover. I don't care. But you can see like the massive ship coming down in the post credit scene at the end. That'd be dope. You know, seems like it might be a bit of a stretch. Um, but I do like that pick in general. You say Chappie's a bad movie, but the effects in it are effective and they're done at a much smaller budget. Same thing with yeah. Elysium, you know, maybe not a super effective movie, but still similar cool sci-fi-esque machinery in it. Let's move over to our rating. You're going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? Uh, I'll start here because I think, actually, they might be pretty similar because... Uh, I also don't think this movie is necessarily the greatest. Uh, I think it's very middle of the tier. It's very generic. It's very kind of feels like maybe it'd be just a better video game. I'd rather play this as a video game than watch it. Like, let me fight robots. Let me sneak into that, you know, junkyard and start, like dodge the lights. Like there's stuff in it that's like that. But as a movie, it's just like, this is, is you know, just meh. meh. Um, so I'm going to give it a 39 out of 69. A 39? Oh my, how many, I mean, how many points higher than that is like grownups and stuff. That's ridiculous. Um, I will say it's one or it's three better than chicken little. So you'll appreciate that. Interesting. Mine is a little bit higher than my chicken little rating as well. I don't even remember what I gave that a, a five or something, something really bad. Um, but for real steel, my official rating is going to be a 20 out of 69. So much, much lower than yours. Um, Same yeah. you gave Paul Blart. Yeah, I'd say that's comparable. Honestly, I well, I don't know. I feel like both of those, I would probably watch it again. Uh, you know, not happily, but you know, they're not that bad. Like they have some redeeming qualities, unlike like Chicken Little and, and some other things which have been lower. But yeah, this is definitely on the lower tier of of the movies that we've done here in Cap. And uh, yeah, it was okay. But you know, we we talked about a lot of the good, a lot of the bad, more of the bad. You know, leaning for me on, on this film. Well, that was a conversation on Real Steel. Oh, but wait, there's a post-credit scene coming up. What if I told you we were putting a team together? It was we. Oh, our next category, post-credit scene, Cody. You're going to go back to 2011, and you're going to make up a post-credit scene. What would you throw at the end of Real Steel? Yeah, I really like this new category as well because it just leaves open to uh, some creativity and, and me to make a lot of dumb jokes. Similar to our pitch time, but I feel like we have to think about the idea less because you can you can make your post-credit scene just a little teaser, one shot. Like, it can be super exactly. simple. And it can go anywhere too, which I love. But yeah, so my my post-credit scene, just to paint the picture here, we open up after uh, Timbaland finishes his, his absolute banner. Uh, black screen, we come back. We open a door. There's a backdoor meeting going on between Max, the kid, and, and um, what's the the Asian guy? The Tak Mashido. Tak Mashido, great name. Yeah, Tak Mashido and Max. Uh, they're shaking hands when the door opens, and the the camera continues to move forward and it, it moves past and eventually pans down on a contract, and you can see it was just recently signed. And then wet ink. Uh, we turn, yeah, wet, very wet. And then we turn to we turn to Max and Tak says, I'm glad you sold out Charlie. Adam is going overseas. And then it cuts the black. 
<laughs> it says Adam will return. Dot 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 in Japan. So we're setting up a sequel where it's just gonna be Max. It's just gonna be Adam going at it in Japan. And I kind of just want like a heel turn from the kid because I feel like we got. So this is like the Tokyo Drift of the franchise. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we got a little bit too much family fun, I think, in this one. And, uh, yeah, I think the kid should have ditched Hugh Jackman about two hours ago. So I, I think it's about time for that. Very cool. I like that a lot. Uh, I would be <laughs> hyped. Um, I, I don't know about the contract aspect of it. Maybe there's a better way to show it cinematically than some wet ink. But, uh, hey, we're, we're workshopping here. That's what this is all sure. about. Um, I have two ideas. In a, in a general sense, you could go the route of, let's show that Adam is sentient. Like, let's put the nail in the coffin because obviously there's like references throughout the movie. There's the moment when he like is looking in the mirror at himself, right? Originally, I think in the, the script that was planned that in that fight um, with Metro that he has, that he would like, they would lose connection and he would like start fighting by himself. And that would like be like a hard to find, like, yes, this is like a magical special robot that does have like real life to it. Um, cool. All in all, I think it's for the best that they didn't do that. I think it's kind of cool that they leave it up to interpretation a little bit. So while you could have a shot at the end of it, you know, Adam wakes up and he's walking around and he's doing his thing by himself. Like that's one route. I don't think we should do that. Instead, I want to go, let's set up the villain. So we're setting up the villain of the next movie. Obviously, Adam loses this one. So you think, oh, rematch with Zeus. That's the obvious route. But no, we don't get our Zeus rematch until much later down the road. I'm thinking Real Steel 3, Real Steel 4 maybe. But what it's going to be is it's a dark room. You hear, you know, the sound of a machine welding, bright lights flash. You know, you, you pull up on this person. Boom, Evangeline Lily whips up the welder's mask. She's got the head of Noisy Boy and she's welding it onto the body of another robot from earlier in the movie. I can't think of one, but obviously, you know, we know the head of Noisy Boy was, you know, welded to the wall, but she's gotten it down. She's welding it on. And uh, yeah, she's uh, she's building Noisy Boy uh, to, to take on uh, and be a, a villain in the future. Probably makes more sense if it's Kevin Durant doing that at the end of the movie, but entirely honest, I don't want him to have anything to do with it. Maybe you could have Mackie's character do it, but I don't think that really makes sense. I don't know. We need somebody to be a villain building a robot. It's Max's new dad. That's going to oh, be who it is. The guy I, who got there we go. We found it. It's Max's <laughs> dad, and he's in there. Not Max's dad. What, what's that guy's name? Jimmy. Jimmy is it? <laughs> James Rebhorn. Yeah, there you go. It's so yeah, it's gonna be James Rebhorn. You. Yeah, His you're right, Jimmy. Jimmy. James Rebhorn under the mask lifts it up. He's trying to fight uh this kid. I like that. I I like Evangeline Lily or uh Aunt Mackie there too. Any sort of villain turn at the end, I think would be fun. Uh, but especially from Jimmy, I, I think that's that's super on brand for that character as well. Uh yeah, that was a dope scene. I like it. Um, I do want to say that there have been talks of a potential sequel. Uh, Sean Levy wants to bring back Hugh Jackman and, of course, bring in Ryan Reynolds and make a real steel sequel with the two of them. Would you watch it, Cody? Oh, man. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Probably not. Uh, that sounds, uh, you know, we depend on if it's like a Deadpool crossover, maybe. But no, nah, I, I don't want to see a sequel. There's also been reports uh, that there might be a Disney Plus series in development potentially which 
yeah i mean what is there not i don't even think disney owns the rights to this and yet it's being reported what is there not a disney plus series about i think uh yeah that doesn't surprise me too much and i definitely wouldn't watch that if they came out with it either so (laughs) not after what they did to national treasure that's for sure yeah all right, and let's move on to our next new category, Six Degrees of Dave. I would not slice his throat. I would cut his head clean off. This is a fun one. So similar to, of course, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, this idea where you could connect any actor to Kevin Bacon through Six Degrees or Less, um, we're going to be connecting the lead of whatever movie we're talking about to Dave Batista. But it's not necessarily about connecting it in the shortest route possible. It's just about creating a route that, you know, creates conversation and allows us to talk about some different movies. In six degrees or less, connect Dave Batista to this movie, Cody, to Hugh Jackman. (laughs) (laughs) I will do that very happily. So, yeah, obviously, you're starting off with Hugh Jackman. You can go a lot of different directions. But I went my favorite, which would be The Prestige, which is an unbelievable film. And of course, I'm going to connect him with the other main man, Christian Bale. I feel like also I, I did go kind of basic with this, but I just went with a lot of movies that I like. So to throw that out there, but yeah, Christian Bale, I mean, the obvious one to turn to then would be The Dark Knight. And inside The Dark Knight is Gary Oldman as, uh, you know, what's his name? Commissioner Gordon, Mustache Man Gordon. And then from there with Gary Oldman, we went to Tinker Taylor's Soldier's Spy, which is another <laughs> spy flick. Uh, and with that, I took Colin Firth, I believe, in that movie. And then with Colin Firth, we went to Kingsman the Secret Service, which is a very underrated movie. I don't think I talk about that movie enough on, on this podcast. So, so good. Um, but the villain in Kingsman is, of course, uh, a crazy Sam Jackson, one of his best performances, I would think. And then, of course, Sam Jackson is in Avengers Infinity War. We all remember that. He's in the post credits scene, barely. And of course, you know, Dave Batista is also in that film, gets turned into gobbledygook by Thanos, uh, and then magically turns back into his normal self, which makes no sense, thanks to the reality stone. But uh, yeah, that's my six degrees of Dave. You went for the full six, and I, I got to respect that. I, I went for a shorter route here, um, but uh, I do have two for you. So you could go for the Denis route. I think that's the easy way. Batista, he's worked with him two different times, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, as well as Dune. Uh, f- within either of those movies, you can take David Descals- Dismalkian. Mm-hmm. Um, He's in both Dune and Blade Runner 2049 as well. And you could then connect that to Prisoners, which then connects you to Hugh Jackman. Uh, we love Denis. Um, as well in Dune, Rebecca Ferguson, who uh, has her weird uh, mother-son relationship with Timothy Chalamet, She's in a little underseen 2021 film, Reminiscence, with Hugh Jackman, uh, which is basically like an Inception Nolan ripoff uh, with with Jackman. Honestly, not a bad movie, just not a great movie. Yeah, that's fair. I haven't seen it, Uh, but I do like um, pretty much everyone involved in that project, so I I wouldn't assume it's terrible. Yeah, Rebecca Ferguson, shout out her. David Deschmalchen, that guy's just so good. He's also in The Dark Knight. So I could have connected it through there. There you go. Good point. He's all, I mean, he's in fucking everything. He's in quantum mania. As a, as a blob guy. It was guy, whatever. Uh, I did also just want to hit in this category as well. Uh, how many MCU people are in this? We've kind of mentioned offhand, but obviously uh, Anthony Mackie, Evangeline Lilly, but as well, Hope Davis, who's the ant character. She plays Tony Stark's mom in civil war. If you don't remember, um, and then this is not the MCU, but of course, 
Jackman, Marvel Comics, and then Kevin Durand, bringing him up one last time. He uh, plays the Blob in uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, and then I think he also makes a reappearance in Apocalypse. But uh, that's a boxing movie as well, so it's all connected. Is he in Apocalypse? Really? Uh, yeah, I think he has just like a short cameo I was yep. reading. I, I don't even remember what he does, but he's definitely in Origins as the Blob um, where yeah. he boxes Hugh Jackman. So there you go. That's not a bad scene either. So shout out Kevin Durant. Looks looks okay in a fat suit at least. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, and then let's uh, move into our recommendations finally. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Um, well, we can jump back and forth. Uh, I, I want to start off by just recommending some new things that we've been doing uh, over here at Cap. So if you haven't checked it out, First Friday Five. Also, Cody, you just dropped a new show with our, our good buddy of the Rough Cut Retrospective, Carter Sims, where you're talking college basketball. Tell the people about that. Yeah, no, a ton of fun. We dropped the first episode of Pick and Roll, uh, which is a great name. Shout out, Carter. Uh, the boy came out with that himself. Oh, yeah, we just basically, uh, the first episode, just breaking down uh, some of the upcoming conference tournaments, and then we're going to be releasing uh, another episode soon, breaking down the March Madness bracket, which will be a lot of fun, so keep a watch out for that. But, uh, yeah, pick and roll, great name, and uh, I think it's a good time, so definitely go check it out. Yeah, loved the first episode, was a real joy to uh, edit. I I went and saw Cocaine Bear in theaters, Cody. Uh, I was not a very big fan of it at all. Um, you know, I, I've heard some good things. I know some people like it to me, like, it's just not really that funny. I know it's kind of like a tough thing. It just, the comedy didn't work on me. It's trying to juggle a lot of like different plot threads that it's like trying to interweave together. And I just don't think it does a very successful job of uh, doing that. It's a lot more, um, like kill grotesque, like graphic, like violence comedy than just like a straight comedy. And, and I don't know, it just wasn't really working for me. Cocaine Bear, it, meh. It looks like it was a pretty big cast. So kind of all those moving plot points kind of make sense, I guess. Um, on top of that, I did watch the uh, the Creed trilogy, like I said, for the first time. Did go see the new Creed movie. Um, I really like the first Creed movie and I really like the third one. The second one, uh, to me, is not as successful. It's a lot more interested in like the Rocky mythology and like continuing that. Cause it's, you know, got the, like the Drago storyline and kind of the Rocky four connections. Um, and is a lot more interested in that, like, you know, him avenging his father's death stuff that I just don't think is as interesting. It's almost too into the weeds creed. The first one is the perfect balance of continuing the formula and having Sylvester Stallone there, but then also doing your own new thing with this new character uh, played by Michael B. Jordan. Um, and then the third one, it, Sylvester Stallone is not in whatsoever. Rocky is like barely mentioned whatsoever. Um, so I think it's just, it's pulling back too much and it's too far away from the original, which is a little bit unfortunate, but really interesting direction from Michael B. Jordan. Jonathan Majors, of course, is fantastic. Um, it's it's the year of Majors. Facts. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to go see that. Well, uh, Tuesdays is half price movie night, but I missed it tonight, unfortunately. But I think uh, upcoming, that is going to be the next theater. Have you seen the other creeds? I have. I Well, actually, I haven't seen the second one because it looked boring. But the first one I do like a lot. I mean, Sylvester Stallone was also nominated for an Oscar for it, which makes no sense. But uh, yeah, Michael B. Jordan's Michael B. Jordan. I mean, I feel like even Creed 2, Creed 2 excuse me, is probably not that bad just because it's got Michael B. Jordan in it. Uh, but that cast overall, I feel like is ridiculously good. Adding, you know, Tessa Thompson 
to the core as well. Um, yeah. All right. Well, first off, I mean, obviously, we got Survivor, uh, the season premiere, <laughs> aired last week. And I believe Corbin has has caught up with uh, with the one episode. But yeah, coming off and, and just, you know, setting the stage a little bit too. I mean, coming off last season, I was unbelievably disappointed with the ending, especially uh, whatever his name was, Gobbler, something like that. Um, yeah. Oh, he definitely deserved to win. That makes sense. But yeah, the show, it, it kind of had me worrying a little bit. I mean, what is that, like four, three seasons in a row, they were kind of mid, you know, the whole new style, like, I guess, you know, it's whatever. Uh, but this episode excited me for the season, and that's pretty much all I was looking for. Uh, the cast looks good. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff, too. Maybe this is, like, the best episode of the season, and we don't realize it yet. Had an EFAC, really, which sucked. Um, and then also just a terrible injury. Um, I don't know anybody's name, uh, so sorry sorry if you're listening to the survivors. The guy fell off the cliff because he, he was climbing it for some reason. Um, but I actually really like that guy as a character in general, and I, I think he's going to go deep. And of course, that that tribe went to tribal as well, which was one of the strangest tribals of all time, just because the one girl who, again, I think will go deep based off just her edit. I believe her name is Jamie, actually. Look at that. I, I know somebody's name, but um, I don't understand her move of, of playing her shot in the dark. I guess she thought maybe she was in trouble or she just didn't like that they were voting for Brandon and thought that she might get targeted. So she figured she might as well just play her shot in the dark because it doesn't matter anyways um but i think it's a terrible move regardless especially announcing it at tribal council it's like oh we're like everyone's voting for you brandon like play your idol and then you're probably gonna get sniped so that doesn't make any sense uh but the numbers were really cool it came down just a straight up two to one vote and then an idol is played on the two as well so historically that's a really cool tribal that does not happen at all where just one vote determines if somebody goes home I believe it's only happened one or two times mentionably in HHH with Ben. Everybody voted for Ben, but he whipped out an idol and, and uh, sent Lauren home after Dr. Mike threw her idol in the fire, which is an underrated season with a terrible winner as well. Um, yeah, I really did enjoy the episode, which is very strange, and I'm sure that'll change very quickly. But uh, I want to hear your general thoughts on it there, Corbino. Yeah, I also liked the episode. Um, I think the cast is pretty fun. Um the whole bird cage immunity idol thing i thought it was going to be more i think that was kind of the biggest thing i think i was just a little bit disappointed that it was just like a key is hidden in the jungle my expectation that it was that it was going to be like in some reward or at some like there was going to be more to it but just like oh go find a key whatever um i think it will be cooler in the other tribes if it's just one person finds the key because then you do have that element of like Hey, as soon as that idol's gone, like everybody's going to know it's gone, um, which I think yeah. could cause some uh, havoc, but it was just kind of unfortunate that it was a, you know, a tribe idol that was found, but it still got played in an interesting way. So we can't complain too much. That's true. I think if it is found kind of, like you said, just by one person, just like the paranoia will be entertaining enough to be like, oh shit, like somebody found this idol. Like we're screwed. Like who is it? It's not me, obviously. And there's uh, the, the layer of, there's a fake idol in there as well too, which is a whole nother thing. So uh, it sucks that that first try wasn't able to play around with that aspect of the game. Yep, that's true. But like I said, I'm sure the season will regress accordingly. Uh, but past that- uh, It's been... Jeff's favorite season in years, Cody. Fair. That's fair. I do trust Jeff uh, a little bit. Um, not so much recently, but anywho- other than that, I haven't been too much, kind of just been busy, um, but I have been 
actually watching some some more scrubs actually so definitely go check out our first friday five episode on that corbin may have gotten me hooked on a new sitcom um i i think i'm almost at the end of season one almost uh again it's a sitcom so it's kind of long seasons so it's taking a little bit to get through but shout out uh, zach braff who i don't know why but i always hated before uh watching that show uh for no particular reason either but past that i mean this upcoming sunday is uh what just one of the coolest days of the year i think in general i mean of course it's selection sunday which i mean i like selection sunday more than christmas day if i'm being completely honest with you if that tells you anything about me um but it's also a double down oscar night baby we got selection sunday i don't even know what time it's gonna be at i don't know like six o'clock five o'clock i think yeah and then the Oscars start at what eight nine? Oscars somewhere. start at nine. I mean, red carpet starts at six thirty, so stuff gets going. It's well, I won't be watching, but I mean, that's a pretty sick night just for me in general. Two of the things like I really would, you know, just enjoy watching on any random Sunday of the year, and to combine those together, that's dope. So that's my biggest wreck is, uh, you know, enjoy this Sunday because we're not going to get another one like that for a long time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll definitely be talking about the Oscars in a future episode. Also, just a lot of great stuff. I mean, The Mandalorian Season 4 just started to come out. But yeah, on top of that, Last of Us finishing up. Succession Season 4 dropping, I think, at the end March. of this month, March 20th, something 30. like that, 23rd. And then also Ted Lasso Season 3 also coming out, I think, next week, March 15th. So lots of great stuff coming soon. A lot of great TV. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a, a good first episode of Season 5. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Adios. Stay Kevin. Peace. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.